0: Speak to. Him. They are who we thought they were.
2: And we're not about to. Well, I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's
3: go scatter the West right tight. F left, left. 372 Y Sticks
1: The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt.
0: Well, I'm gonna go to college. I'll just play football. Ooh, woo! Let's go!
3: Hour two, off and running. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team,
0: Mass Communicate. We ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communicating. Oh, yes. That's a powerful new force. Mm-mm. Shake a leg, Junior. Shake <laughs> <laughs> a leg.
3: Hey, Beaver, I think I joked with you one day that from now on, after playing that, every time I saw you there at the station, I was going to say, shake a leg, Junior. <laughs> and I... I failed to do that and remember that last time I was there.
4: Well, you'll be here later this week, right? Yeah. You can make up for it.
3: Can I go ahead and just do like a preemptive? Yeah. Shake a leg, Junior.
4: (laughs) There's always time for that.
3: There's another great soundbite from that movie. We didn't know if we could play it or not. I'm not
4: here to make a record,
0: you dumb cracker.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I love everything about it. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission anyway or to figure it out ahead of time. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. I'm Matt Beavers in for Roger. we we'll get Roger back later. It's a few warranted, justified days off for Mr. Rogers. Mr. Roger. Uh, coming up later, I'll take your phone calls on the Davini phone. But in a few minutes, we'll have Brett Hudson live from Omaha, Nebraska, TD Ameritrade Park, not far from it anyway. We'll catch up with Brett, what it was like last night. We know what everybody's saying, and he's had some excellent reporting, too. And I I encourage you to read what he wrote on our website, mattwyattmedia.com. Go to the blog page or just check his Twitter feed, my Twitter feed. He is Brett underscore Hudson. I am Radio Wyatt. There's a link there. And it's about Marshall Gilbert. And I tell you, man, it's just this great story of overcoming. It's a classic story. It's a great story arc. You know, you're everything in high school, but you don't necessarily get recruited the way you think you should. He goes to Juco. He chooses Mississippi State, gets to state. He gets beat out for the catcher job by. Dustin Skelton is playing time dwindling, and all of a sudden the team needs him. He, they insert him in a competition at third base. Now he's coming back up. All the way to hero status with a walk-off in Omaha, Nebraska at the College World Series. Quotes from teammates. Jake Mangum, who is his roommate, about Marshall Gilbert. Brett wrote all about it. It's, uh, again, or Check him out on Twitter, Brett underscore Hudson. He's got a link over there for that. Also, I'll get to your texts. Uh, I'm going to finish up the post-game press conference uh, from state players, coaches. Some good stuff in there, especially towards the end when Rick Cleveland um, threw a question at Chris Lamones about, you know, you're so excited that you won. But do you ever look over there and you kind of feel sorry for the third baseman? You know, for that didn't make that play for Auburn. And Lamones' answer is very um, transparent. Yeah, absolutely. He says they even talked about it with his team after the game. Hey man, you respect the other guys. They got a hurting dugout over there on the other side. So it's interesting how that works. In baseball, you know, you don't play just one game. I know we're sitting here going ahead and counting these chickens before they hatch that it's going to you're going to have to go through Vanderbilt to get there. Well, you do have to play them once, but who knows? You may have a you may have a rematch with Auburn. You've, you very well could. You just don't know. So you have to keep all that in mind. So that's coming up. I'll give you the uh, Auburn post game. It was much shorter, but very good with Butch Thompson, as it always is, and some of their players. All of that coming up. But for right now, <clears throat> let's head over here to the Davini phone. Divinity Equipment, Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. As we tune in live via telephone technology. <laughs> it's not like I'm in the 1940s with Brett Hudson who has his feet on Nebraska soil particularly Omaha and is there covering Mississippi State for us and was there last night wrote about it and blogged about it and podcasted about it on the dog pile and even did facebook live into the wee hours and he's kind enough to wake up and join us today Brett how you feeling buddy
2: I feel like I last slept
3: in the 1940s. <laughs> Is that right? You wake up. That's today, what I feel like. You wake up today. I've, I've
2: been here for I've been here for three days, but I'm also pretty sure I've been here since
3: 1977. <laughs> <laughs> well, I expect to receive a uh, telegraph uh, from you any moment here. Um, yeah, yeah, checking in with Brett in Omaha. Brett, um, what was that scene like last night in that ninth inning when he hit that walk-off in the stadium because you were there?
2: A total and complete disbelief and pandemonium. Cause, uh, Gautreaux, Jake Gotro, the assistant coach, the hitting coach, told me after the game that the dugout kind of let loose when Jake Bangham let off with that double. Uh, but they must have been the only ones, because I don't think that really became real for the people in the fan base, that being that potential comeback. I don't think that became real until, uh, man, probably... Gelton's AB, um, where where he got on. I don't oh, yeah. think it really became real until then. It just uh, down down what three in the bottom of the ninth, and and the number two hole guy strikes out. That is just so rare, and the the math on that is, is hard to fathom. Yeah, um, I don't think it became real for anybody for a while, and then when it became real, it became real quick because Hatcher hit I think the third pitch. Of his at bat, and then Marshall Gilbert hit the first pitch of his. So it's like people were guardedly optimistic, and then euphoria just in the snap in the snap of a finger. It was it was pretty wild to see it very slowly build up, and then all of a sudden run off the cliff in terms of of being there and realizing that that dream. It was it was an interesting way to to win that and walk that off, considering it didn't have the like consistent build up that that you often get
3: what um, I mean this, I don't think this is a throwaway question. We know they're related to win the game, the celebration, a walk off it's Omaha, all that. But if you were to dig a little deeper in the, in the context of this is a team that has a lot more innings, a lot of more games they've got to win in order to accomplish their goal. Then against that backdrop, What was this team's mood when you interviewed them after the game?
2: I think that was—it's hard to describe. I'm—I'll find a word for it eventually. I think it was—I think it was all the confirmation they needed. Okay. Because you know that was—it's one thing to have national championship aspirations for literally the entire season, as this team has, and it's one thing to play up to that level, as this team has for basically all but six games. The three in Fayetteville and the three in Hoover—they played up to that that status and that label, and and winning this game—I want to say it made it real for them because they've known this about themselves all season long. But it, it just kind of snapped them into the mode. Like we we won a game in Omaha, and and it's time to, to win more. It's time to to do the one thing that's left to do, mm-hmm. as as Jake Bingham would say. I'm trying to find the the right word. To, to describe that that kind of mindset that the team is in now, but now uh, game on, I, I think is the the phrase I would use. The the mood in the locker room was game on. Yeah, they've they've had their fun uh, talking about the nickel blacks and Ethan Small uh, swearing he's never going to wear the nickel blacks ever again. And <laughs> Jake Mangum sure, certainly had his fun um, making sure I know that the team never loses on on Sunday. Thanks for that, Jake. Um, <laughs> And Peyton had his fun too, but but after after they got over their original euphoria of of walking that thing off and celebrating Marshall Gilbert for the season he's had, making uh, adding a new chapter to that story. Once they got all over that, it, it was game on for them. They knew that now is the time to go to go win the whole thing.
3: Sure, Brett Hudson on your radio, he is covering the College World Series Mississippi State's run. Uh, for the duration that they are there for us and doing a heck of a job, as always. You need to read, if you haven't, you need to read what he wrote about Marshall Gilbert and check his Twitter feed for that link. He is Brett underscore Hudson. Hey, um, Brett, Gilbert is like the, the Hollywood, the true uh, Hollywood-type hero's journey story arc, isn't he? Right? The setup, the conflict. And then the walk-off in the College World Series last night. Isn't it the perfect story?
2: Yeah, man. Nothing's, nothing's been easy for him uh, in his time in, in Starkville. He's, he had to get here and fight for playing time just to lose it. Then he spent all offseason fighting for playing time, lost it again, had to reinvent himself, had to learn a new position going from catcher to third base uh, in the final two months of his senior season of college and luckily for him baseball's not over. He got drafted by the Pirates in the 29th round so he's, he's going to continue playing baseball beyond this but when he was coming out of John A. Logan Community College I think it's in Iowa or Wisconsin I can't remember off the top of my head but he was, he was getting attention as someone who breaks in junior college does and he was making a list and Mississippi State was at the top of that list because he was attracted to the SEC. He wanted to play against the best and he was drawn to Mississippi State's winning tradition in the toughest conference in America, and he wanted to to see if he could be a part of that. He wanted to add his own legacy to that, and it has not been easy. You know, you, you got to be on the field to add something to, to Mississippi State's baseball legacy, and, and that has not come easily for him, but he, he just refused to lay down. He refused to let the situation get the best of him. Uh, he, he took the cards he was dealt, and he he made the best of them and, and the fact that he adds this to his, uh, to his Mississippi State career is, is truly fitting because he's had to work his tail off for everything he's gotten here at Mississippi State. And he had to work through uh, a tough play that some people erroneously blamed him for, for not making that play that ultimately led to a two run homer. Um, he had to work through that. He had to work through some tough, tough at bats early in that game to get the one opportunity to bounce one off the pitcher's glove and, and walk a game off. It was pretty fitting for his entire two years here in Starkville.
3: Brett Hudson on your radio. Brett, do you see those numbers for Gilbert basically over the last month that I tweeted earlier this morning?
2: Yeah, yeah. The boy the boy knows it's time to roll.
3: Yeah. He's been clutch. I just so everybody listening, um I was looking at going back to the Ole Miss series, which was the second week of May. He has hit safely in 11 of the last 14 games. He's either scored or had a hit in 14 of the last 15. In six of those uh, games he's had hit, he's had multiple hits in those games, and his average has jumped 15 points. So he's been really good for them in the nine hole at a time where the guy right behind him in the leadoff spot, Jake, was kind of cold there for a little while. So, I mean, he, it, it's been kind of clutch for this team down the stretch. It led to them getting the national seed and all that. The fact that he got hot when he did.
2: And that was that was something that I talked to Coach Gotro about last night that, that didn't make the story. So, thank you for the launching point. Uh, yeah. He yeah. talked about Marshall being in the nine hole and that being a important part of the lineup, considering, I mean, this, this lineup is so stacked at to the top. He's got a 14 home run guy hitting in the five-hole. That's Justin Foskew. So having a good bat in the nine-hole is huge to turn that thing over and get as many at-bats for that top five or six. And the way they phrase that to Marshall Gilbert is, uh, as Coach Gotro told me last night, Marshall, you've got the best hitter the SEC has ever seen behind you. You're going to get pitches to hit. They don't want to throw at Jake Mangum. They especially don't want to put you on base for free with two outs. And, and give Jake Mangum another opportunity with two outs. You're going to get pitches to hit. That's undeniable in pretty much every at-bat you have. So go take advantage of them. You know you're going to get pitches in the strike zone. You know you're going to get pitches that you can put somewhere. So see them out of the hand and put them somewhere. That's that's how they approach Marshall Gilbert, and his, uh, his performance over the last month proves that that's where his mind
3: is. Yeah. Brett. Any inclination guesses about who will pitch against Vanderbilt tomorrow? No,
2: no, not right now. Uh it, it all comes down to, to match up and I don't I don't have enough of a in depth of a scouting report on, on Vandy's lineup or how State's going to scout them to, yeah. to tell that Coach Lamonas is supposed to bump to the media in like fifteen minutes or so. We'll find
3: out then. Okay, cool. Um one last thing. So McNamy says that the energy began when Jake Mangum led off the ninth with that double, and they're down. They're down what four one at that point. Four to one. Yes. So he leads off with of a double, and you said it must have started in the dugout. That's what they said. Um, was was it palpable in the stadium when he hit that double? State's about to come back, or did it not happen? until McNamee hit that ball down the left field line
2: yeah yeah I, I said earlier that it was it was Skelton's AB but I think you're right I think it was McNamee's when when McNamee hit that double yeah um and, and got that run in and it, I think that changed the the complexion of the stadium I think that is when I mean and McNamee was so energetic and enthusiastic when he got to second base uh I, I think that's when that's when things really change that's when that's when belief was injected into the maroon and white faithful at TD Ameritrade, and and the energy was was infectious. That much is pretty clear.
3: Very cool, Brett. Thank you, buddy. Good to talk to you. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, talk to you again soon. Thank you. All right. All right. As Brett Hudson, y'all follow him on Twitter. Brett underscore Hudson. There are some links there to some things that he did, <clears throat> including uh, he was he was live from the stadium last night after the game on Facebook. Then he had the uh, piece that he wrote about Marshall Gilbert with quotes from teammates, coaches, roommate Jake Mangum. I just thought it was really good. And if you're unfamiliar, when I said story arc, basically what I'm talking about is you know every great story, in in some shape, form, fashion, has that you, you know you set up the character, but the character has a fall. The character has a valley that he has to go. Um, you know, hiking through to figure out a way to come out of it, and in this case, there's that arc back up and that happy ending of a kid that wasn't even in your lineup for half the season. Now a starter has the walk off hit after a hot month at the plate in his senior season in Game One of his team's ball game in the College World Series. It's a really neat story. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, I tell you what since there is time here to do it we, we didn't finish it up completely what everything that was said in the uh, post game by uh, Mississippi state coaches players let's see if we can hear some of that now
1: It's a lifetime opportunity that you don't get anywhere else you don't get to see these guys every day um, so that's I think that's what it is it comes down to how much we love each other as a family last question for this group David thank you
2: for both uh, Marshall and Elijah, even though Owen was doing so well, did you feel like if you just get an Auburn's bullpen after the way y'all had played against them in Starkville, well, did you think that you could make something happen eventually, just keep grinding away and something would crack?
0: Marshall?
4: Yeah, you know, uh, that's kind of our philosophy is grind out the starter, get to the pen, so that way they have to change something up and somebody new has to come in. And I think it just has to do with the fact that we just stay the course and we never veer off of what we're trying to do. And if we are, then we help kind of bring it back together and we go back and kind of reset. And I think that as far as Jack Owen, he pitched a great game. Um, He did a hell of a job. Next thing is just the fact that we're able to go out there every single day with the same approach and just trust that the guy after you is going to be able to get the job done.
1: Hats off to Jack Owen. Um, He went out there and did what he was supposed to for his team. You know, we kept grinding, and we were trying to get in that bullpen, like you said. And eventually, when we got in that bullpen. There was that, you know, disbelief, knowing that he's not out there anymore because he had you know, three pitches working for him. So, um, you know, when he came out of the game, the little, you know, relief came, a little weight off our shoulders, for sure. Okay, Kendall, start us, please. In baseball, Chris, you've seen many magical moments with this team throughout the year, but as you're kind of sitting back and watch that ninth inning unfold, what's what's kind of going through your mind?
4: You know, our our. Our message in the dugout was just get it to the next guy, get it to the next guy, and, and it ha- you know Tanner Allen had a big at bat with you know just a walk, and Josh Hatcher uh, gets the chop ball there. I mean you just have so many things of guys just competing, and and Jay Gotro's done such an unbelievable job with our offense this year of instilling just the grinder mentality and, and wearing people out and putting balls in play. And we were a little frustrated tonight. I mean, it really, wasn't typical of us for the first so many innings. And you can tip your hat to to their pitching for that. But um, in that ninth inning, that was us. That's what we do.
2: Coach, I believe the uh, Burns. That was his first relief appearance, and there had been some talk that Auburn wouldn't even try to use him today. But when he went in, did you think this is a chance to get to this guy after what y'all seen of him in start one?
4: We kind of knew he'd be available today, just the way they've been using him and, and listening to everything. We even watched video of him, knowing they might use him. I mean, he's. Tanner Burns is one of the best arms in the country. I mean that that he is he's a great pitcher, but and and I was just talking to Cole Gordon, you know, pitching the ninth is just different than any other thing. And you know Cole Gordon, when you know when I pitch him in the seventh, he's not real good. I pitch him in the ninth, he's real good. Um, so it's just it's sometimes a mindset with pitchers and where they're at. And we were fortunate in our game in Starkville, we got the Tanner in that first inning he pitched. Then he settled down and really pitched good against us. But we were able to get to him that first time through.
3: All right, so that's. Uh... A little more of the post game there. You kind of heard the analysis. I've promised it to you. So, coming up, I'm going to let you hear on the Auburn side of it. It's a tough loss for them. You know, you kind of control a game, and then all of a sudden, you know, there goes that rug out from underneath your feet. So, I'll give you Butch Thompson and Auburn players coming up, let you hear what they said also. I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Stick around. y'all are back on the show i'm matt connected to you because of c Spire, the number one network in mississippi c Spire, customer inspired hit me up on the divini phone beaver's in for roger he'll text me and let me know that uh you're on the phone the divini equipment phone divini in madison and in jackson your kubota dealer Here's the number to call, 995-1059. That's a 601 number, 995-1059. You can also text the show, 885-ESPN. Text 885-ESPN. The mailman in Jackson texts the show. He says, why wouldn't they bunt two runners into scoring position late in the game when they only down two runs? Because they did not Because they didn't... Hit into a double play. I can't. I I think your sentence got switched up, Jackson. I don't want to get it completely fouled up. He says, "I think that was a bad coaching decision not to bunt him over. If you play for a home run in that park, more times than not, you lose. No question. You know, it worked out. Don't have to worry about it now. But probably you learn a little something. Again, though, they they've just not been a outside of some very specific situations, one-run games and stuff. They've just not been a them over team. Just hadn't done it much. A lot of people are tweeting and texting about wanting to hear what it sounded like and all that. I played this right off the top of the show. but That's a long time ago, so let me do it again here for you. you. I think people just want to hear it. Here's what it sounded like on the radio call. Jim Ellis from Learfield IMG.
0: Ground ball off the glove, up the middle, backhand off the glove. Bulldogs have won it coming from behind. Bliss tried to backhand it behind the second base bag. It'll be a base hit and a game winner as the Bulldogs walk it off for the third time this year. Mississippi State walked it off early in the year against Southern Mississippi. They did it the second time against LSU in the 17-inning marathon in the SEC tournament. And they do it this time at the College World Series with the ball up the middle by Marshall Gilbert. A lot of heroes in the ninth inning. And Mississippi State able to survive to get into the winner's bracket and play the evening game on Tuesday. And
3: here's TV.
2: Gilbert
0: off
3: That's it. There it was. Gator Greg texted me last night. What did he text me? Let's see. What was it? He said, he texted me and said, LOL, Destiny Dogs, I am the good luck charm. <laughs> he kept, he keeps bringing up that back in February, he told me that State was going to win the national championship. Yep. Scott on the text line says, have you heard from the chicken hawk? He says, I was riding down County Line Road, and a red-tailed hawk swooped down, and I hit it with my car. I turned around to check on it and saw what it was. I hollered, chicken hawk, tell me it's not so. (laughs) Well, I hadn't heard from him in a few days. All right, Tim's getting to an interesting point of the ball game. When McNamee ran by the third baseman with the ball, why didn't he tag McNamee out instead of trying to make a long throw to first? Tim And and, it, and anybody who saw the game or you know followed it You know what we're talking about? It is. Um, it was the skeleton at bat. That's what it was. And there was two outs in the inning, and he chopped it to third base. McNamee's on second base after the double, and so McNamee's getting, you know, up the line. Well, not line, but the base path between second and third base. So he's right in front of the third baseman after he fielded the baseball. And yes, when we slow it down and. I mean, you got to keep in mind that nothing happens in slow motion, okay? And pre-play thoughts generally take over. It, it, it's there's there's um, there's just like a, a pre-pitch thought process based on situation and outs. And if you're the third baseman with a runner at second base, and let's see, was. Was there a runner on first base with McNamee on second? No. No, there wasn't. Right, because, yeah, Foskey grounded out. Uh, and it brought a run across. See, so there's no real reason for McNamee, he's not bearing down having to go from second to third, as I remember it correctly. So given that situation, pre-pitch, that third baseman's already thinking, I get ground ball, I'm throwing first base. You're not expecting the runner to cross your face, to be there. Here's the other thing, Tim. The ball's bouncing along. You got to field it. It's a third out to win a game in a College World Series. The third baseman's focus is on the baseball. It's not on who's running around me. Where is the runner? Not until after he catches the baseball or fields it in his glove, does anything like that even become a possibility. So, when you pair that with pre-pitch thought is ground ball is I go to first base, it's a total surprise to the third baseman that the runner is near him when he fields that baseball. But because McNamee was near him, it totally threw him off. He he had a great big hesitation. There is no question that when, he, when that ball – took it second or third hop or whatever it was and comes up into his glove. The only thing on his mind is throwing to first base. And when he brings his eyes up, he can feel and knows he's close enough for me to tag him. But you're locked in mentally. Throw to first base. Throw to first base. Throw to first base. So it it totally threw him for a loop, and he locked up. He hitched, and then he hitched. Because half of his brain is saying, tag him. And the other half going, throw to first. So he didn't tag him. And he skipped, and he skipped, and he skipped. And he freaked out. And threw it over there to the tarp. That's just the way it happened. Um, Matt on the text line says, worst strike zone I've seen all year. It looked like a ghost it floated around so much. <laughs> I like it, Matt. I might steal that line. It's not the worst I've seen all year. But they did squeeze Ethan Small early in that game. Um, Now, part of it was you had an umpire much more willing to give you the bottom of the strike zone than the top. And that could just be a bad draw. If that's an umpire who's called it that way the entire year, then that's just what he is as an umpire. That's his strike zone. If Ethan Small gets an umpire who will not give you strikes in the upper part of the strike zone, that's a bad draw for Ethan Small because that's where he likes to live. Now, the other thing was, he did have some that were definite strikes that for whatever reason they can call strikes. (laughs) The reason that Ethan Small or nobody on the state side freaked out about it is because all year long it just hasn't mattered. So what if there's a runner on first base? So what if he walks a guy and gets a bad call? He's going to strike the next one out. He gets so many swings and misses, he leads the country in strikeouts. So that's kind of part of it. But yes, the home plate umpire did squeeze that zone a little bit on Ethan Small. And and really, that hasn't been done all year. So so it was uncomfortable for everybody. It's a big reason you had three walks in the game. You know, it's a big reason you groove one and he jumps all over it. I mean, I know that states guys, including Lamonis, after the game said that's a pitch that people haven't hit all year. But it looked like pretty much like a like down a heart to me. <clears throat> but I, I wouldn't, I, you know, my opinion is a little different than yours, Matt. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's the worst strike zone I've seen all year. I've seen a lot worse, where you know you're getting strike calls on the the line, the white line of the other batter's box. You just you know, that's the thing, too. Watch a Major League Baseball game. You don't get it in Major League Baseball. You do not get those calls in Major League Baseball. You almost never see a Major League umpire call a strike on a ball that is six inches off the plate and painting the stripe of the opposite batter's box. They will never call that a strike in the Major League's. And, and one reason is the best umpires are in the major leagues. <laughs> but the other reason is all the major league games have that strike zone box superimposed on the screen, and they know it. They know everybody can see it. So they're just not going to call it out there. But, man, I've seen some umpires this year, and you see them in the SEC. You, I mean, pitches that are basically so far outside, they are unhittable. If you threw one inside that far, you're hit. It's HBP. Yet call it. So I have seen worse. All right. I'm going to let you hear from uh, the Auburn side of it coming up. Next on the show, I'm Matt, connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. Stick around. Still a little coffee in the thermos. Back on the show, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Today, tomorrow, Wednesday, Beaver is in for Roger. Each day we should do a little something where we get to know Beaver better. Just a question or two. Let's try one. Hey, Beaver. Hey, Matt. What is your favorite... Um all-time sitcom Seinfeld okay number two would be
4: number two would be it's always sunny in Philadelphia be- oh my goodness
3: oh my goodness
4: I like you I like you <laughs> beaver you uh, wait 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 I like you're you. telling me that you're in it's always sunny fan
3: yeah I am and I would never encourage anyone to let their kids watch it <laughs> you know it's not a kid's show and, and myself, for lots of reasons, try not to use the same kind of language and everything. But, but the show is hilarious.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it is.
3: Okay? And like Danny DeVito, I just laugh at him on sight. <laughs> just on sight, you know, but much less as Frank. Rum ham.
4: Rum ham. <laughs> rum I'm sorry, rum Rum ham. <laughs>
3: Only fans of the show know what we're talking about. See, we get into No Beaver a little bit. Huge fan of It's Always Sunny and Seinfeld. This guy's got some tastes now, and no doubt. Do you think D is good looking? Be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but like the whole premise of the show is like they tell her she's not. She's
4: yeah. They they tell her she's a bird. He's
3: a bird. <laughs> I mean, you know. Oh, uh, <clears throat> what's that sound? Oh, the the clip where uh we heard the promo clip the other day and I just cackled out loud where it's Jake trying to pronounce something or whatever yeah. you know and you you had the clip in there where um you know they had a sign hanging out front at Patty's pub yep and they're like we don't know what's going on i mean and Charlie's like i don't know what it is i got this sign out here it says uh coors you know it's got it's, it lit up they nice said delicious coors nice delicious coors i said it says closed charlie it says closed he goes, yeah, well, it's kind of hard to read it from the inside. And Max says, you can't read it from the outside. <laughs> That's a great moment.
4: That was excellent.
3: Excellent. All right, so we're getting to know Beaver. We'll continue this over the next couple of days. The text line, quick, let's do it. Somebody texts the show, says, do teams scout umpires like they do teams that they're going to play to see calling tendencies? The answer to that is yes. To what degree? I don't know. It just depends on coaches, stuff like that. You got best pitcher in college baseball, number one strikeout man in college baseball. You kind of probably go in the game assuming it doesn't really matter. He still had eight. Uh, somebody texted and said that uh, superstition in the win for State. He, this person who texts wore the my uh, You Killing Me Smalls underwear from Sandlot and no left sock. Okay, try it again. Let us know how it goes. Yeah, another question about scouting umpires. They do it, but you know, no matter what, you're gonna throw Ethan Small. Tim says, I hear you, Matt, but he had Mac dead to right. Still don't see why he didn't jump on him and tag him with the ball. And not Irish. She's a bird. That's from It's Always Sunny. <clears throat> do not let your kids watch that show. Trust me on that. <laughs> Just come here and listen, we'll tell you what it says. Uh, I, I I kid. Alright, as promised, Auburn postgame started off with Butch Thompson. You're going to hear from Richard Fitz. The reliever came out of the pen late in the game, and the starter, uh, Jack Owen. All three, Auburn postgame from the NCAA.
1: Uh, tough one tonight. I thought we played an unbelievable game. Uh, a lot of engagement, uh, a lot of fun. I just thought uh, our guys just really battled against arguably 2019's best starting pitcher in college baseball, and Really worked the pitch count. Of course, Ed Julian had the first uh, big swing and then had the, uh, I guess, the third run on an RBI. Um, but I, I think you would have to give a lot of credit to Rankin Woolley. I know he got on before him. Um, the home run and the, the RBI is what you notice, but Woolley got on both times right in front of him. Um, I, I thought Coach Smith did an amazing job with our, our pitching staff and just knowing where we're at and coming out of the Super Regional on, on where our guys are. Um, Pitch counts were at, watched them close this week. And, of course, we devised a different plan today to piece it together, and I thought everybody really competed within the strike zone uh, for the most part. And uh, for eight and two-thirds, I just thought everybody associated did a nice job. And then you we know, had a chance to win a baseball game. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And just uh, one play away tonight. Theodore Omaha World Herald. Guys, I wanted to ask about Rod Bramblett and how his loss has affected this team and how you guys are handling that and how you're approaching this World Series without him.
4: Jack Stark, please. Rod was a big part of who we are as a university and uh, as a baseball team, especially. Um, he was nothing but kind to all of us all the time. He was always supporting us, so losing him was obviously terrible, but, you know. <clears throat> I know he's with us, and he's been watching over us as we've gone along this journey right here in the postseason, and uh, I know he's proud of us either way. A little bit of the post game. How about that first
3: question for the players, somebody doing a story on Rod Bramlett, uh, the great announcer uh, who died in a car accident a few weeks ago. Um, so Auburn's really dealt with a lot this year, and, they're, and I think they're a good baseball team. And they just <clears> – <throat> they did. They kind of fumbled away a chance to win that game last night. On the Divini phone, the man says he states good luck charm, predicted him to win it all way back in February, and going to let you know. If you don't believe him, ask him. <laughs> Gator Greg on the Divini Equipment phone line. Chomp, chomp. Gator Greg, how
0: are you? Hey, uh, good, good to talk with you, uh, Mr. Wyatt. It was a late night at the ballpark last night. Mm, uh, uh, First time I'd been up there, uh, maybe in about five years. Uh, you know, I, I missed the, the, the when the Gators beat LSU for the national championship. But I've been up here to the new park, and I decided to take a little vacation, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, but I, I think I would even told you I had uh, I had I had the faith there. Uh, I just thought, you know, maybe you watched the game. I just think a little bit Mississippi State maybe came out a little, 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 little unsettled, a little tight. I thought small. Other than the, the the mistake there, you know, was just mowing them down, and you had to get Auburn hitters credit for battling. That was the one thing they, that they they did. Uh, and you know, like you're a baseball guy and you're around people, you got to get those two out, two strike hits, and that's what uh, then what Mississippi State got later. And it was a big thing, I think, in the eighth inning when when Mangum was the first guy coming up in the ninth. I kind of said this is in the bag because I know he was he was on fire last night and he, he and then the team kind of feeds off of him and then you get the big hit from uh, Big Mac and you get all the little things. I thought uh, the relief pitcher that came in for Small, they really gave you a good lift. They yeah. just held Auburn to you know some where Auburn just maybe had to scratch to get a run. But this team here, you know, we'll see what they do against Sandy. Uh, you know, uh, it's funny, kind of when the Arkansas people did the little, and I'm not going to get on the, all the fans, but whoever was the the guy that put the thing on the back of the bus, that was yeah. terrible. That was low class, but it was fun. I need to know what size, uh, shirt. I'm going to look for you a shirt, you know, for your Father's Day gift. I got you, Ooh. I know you've been working out and stuff there, but I was going to get you some CWS swag and we'll probably next. give you uh, a call, Lamar. You know, uh, we've been, I went to the little thing with the NCAA deal, a little thing before the game, had fun. Hopefully, you'll be back up here for the championship series next week because I think you guys are going to pull it out. I think you're going to, you got something for Vanderbilt. You have a good one. Uh, The V was doing a good job, uh, even filling in for Roger. Oh, Roger is a legend. But Mr. Wyatt, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think it's the the dog's year. You guys have a great show. Appreciate
3: you. Thanks, Greg. He thinks it's the dog's year. I'm a 2x before wash, and yeah, I mean, there were several times that state hit the ball really hard. I'm talking about tattooed it with runners on base, and then just you know didn't find a hole. Again, I go back to first inning, runner in scoring position, Tanner Allen. Gives one a ride. Deep left center field out to the warning track. I mean, he hit it hard. He's just got backspin instead of topspin. You go a few innings later, the bases are juiced, and Westberg at the plate hits a absolute frozen rope line drive right to the right fielder. Just hit it right at him. One, I mean, might, in terms of exit velocity, it probably was second only the whole night to Julian's home run. That's how hard... He hit it with the bases. He just hit it right to a guy. So they had a little, you know, luck in there. They also had three errors in the game and, you know, the three walks by small. They just found a way to win. And I go back to something I said to begin the show. I mean, the law of averages, it's just, it's a thing. It's not just something you talk about. Pay attention to that. You know, one team's got 12 hits, the other has six. Nine times out of ten, you double up somebody in the hits category, you win the game. They out-hit them 12-6. to And the four runs came in the ninth inning. They didn't come in the first or the second or the third. But what's the difference? You see a lot of four-run innings for this Mississippi State team. What's the difference between a four-run inning in the ninth versus a four-run inning in the third? Nothing. So it just – generally, you go out there, you out-hit somebody – By that margin, you figure out a way to win. And it just happened last night in the ninth inning. All right, that's it for today. Tomorrow, same time, same place, we'll do it again. Right here in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. See you then. See
1: you. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.